Hello, friends. On a draft week edition of Entitled Town, Scartelli is here, John is here, and stepping in for Dan Staley is a stalwart writer of the former and unlamented BJBSJournal.com, The 15 Zone Shack. It has been 910 days since the end of the 2018 World Series. Greg Bedard, have you wrapped up your investigation yet? I had no clue. Uh, at any rate, my name is Mike Irons, and welcome to Entitled Town, now with 25% less introductory particle physics talk. We're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yastrzemski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It is always good to hear from the Rick Tater and Al. And as for Greg Bedard, it's always good to hear from the Rick Tater and Al. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We are the self-appointed Boston Media Ombudsman's. We're back, and there is never a lack of material when observing the Boston Mediates. Shaq, first of all, welcome. Uh, our last podcast. Let's get right into it. Uh, John questioned why uh, Bob Kraft, the erstwhile crafty Bob, didn't take a page out of John Henry's playbook. Whoa, 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 Linda. Linda, not that page. Hold on, Linda, not that page. Uh, but he wondered why he didn't buy the Herald when it was there to be had and there to be had cheap. So let's ask you, uh, why doesn't Bob Kraft use the media the way John Henry and other teams do? You know, I'm not sure why, because he has the capability to do it. It, you know, I think the Patriots were, you know, I don't want to be wrong here because that's not what we do around here, but I believe they were the first, if not the first sports websites to exist so they had their own newspaper in the mid nineties. Yeah. Right. In the mid nineties, they had Patriots football weekly. So with all that capability, and now you have all these sports teams coming out with their own networks, you know, the Cubs with the marquee network and Yankees yeah. with, yes, I know that's hearsay on this podcast, but <laughs> just an example of, of all of the net, all of the owners who have had their own say and what comes out. And so if you have the capability, why haven't you done it? I'm not really sure, but remember that not done network that they tried out in, uh, I believe it was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52, where it was pretty much a long 24 hour infomercial for 98.5, the sports clan. I mean, the sports hub. <laughs> so so I, I don't know what turned out about that, but I, I really think that they could have, they could have had, they could have their own sense of putting their media stuff out there yeah. because look if if anybody if anybody is going to defend them they can why, why why don't they do that i don't get it and you know i think this part i think they're actually complicit in what goes on at least at the ownership and management level um and to that point scartelli um crafty bob held court before the sainted members of the boston media recently and he discussed the state of his team and Man, I got to tell you, I was shaking my head. Some of the answers he gave. I mean, do you really want to let them the way? Have you not observed the way that your coach 
handles business for the last two decades and not letting people behind, uh, you know, the proverbial curtain, as it were. Um, he He's so deferential to the media. And these, these are the majority of which I would argue attack his team, attack his players, and attack his coach largely without merit, Scarzi. What, what the hell is going on here, to quote Vince Lombardi? Bob's pathological need to be loved manifests itself at the worst times is what yes. it comes down to. There are times where he acts like he was bitten by uh, Jerry Jones, and I'm not dismissing that out of hand. But the, the, the big takeaway that everyone uh, has from that, uh, from that meeting with the press was the line where he said, I don't feel like we've done the greatest job these past few years with the draft. For one thing, after he said that, the uh, Boston media fell in line saying, well, my goodness, he's the team owner. He should be, if anyone should know anything about how the draft is going, it's him. Listen to more sports remember- radio, Crafty Bob. Listen to more sports radio. Exactly. This was for 20 years. They've been laughing up their sleeve at Bob yep. showing up at Syracuse to uh, with a stopwatch to time to Bucky Jones. The erstwhile press corner to Bucky Jones. That's right. The best press corner that Bob has ever seen. They've been laughing at him for 20 years. And now all of a sudden on a dime, they decide that, oh my goodness, he's a, you know, expert talent evaluator and knows how good the drafts have been. We've been paying attention. We know that this isn't the case. It's, it's, it's exasperating is what it comes down to. And I feel bad for Troy Brown, who obviously got the human shield alert on his cell phone the minute that thing uh, came through. All the red jackets going to have to go there. If they're going to have full stadiums in the fall, hey, you know what? Kraft isn't going to get booed. And there's another discussion for another time with my loathing of John Henry, despite the success the team has had. And the same thing holds true for Crafty and, you know, Jeremy Jacobs, whatever, but uh, John Shaq and, and Scarzi made some good points. So uh, expand on the media thing and, and Crafty Bob's, Crafty Bob's, pathological need to be loved you know i mean this has become a bit of a you know kind of a a passion of mine a personal passion of mine you know wistfully having the kind of wealth that bob Kraft has and the kind of power that he has you know owning the patriots owning the revolution right you know the i look at it mostly through the prism of wouldn't it be nice to be like john henry to own a sports franchise and own the newspaper Right. That's a that's a nice combination. Control you know, the, the newspaper, message. It, it, the newspaper becomes kind of a write off for the for the pro sports franchise. And, you know, don't get me started on the European Super League. I promise you, I am not going to go down the path <laughs> of the European Super League. I am I am a free agent for European Super League podcasts, though. So if you're listening out there and you've got a podcaster on the European Super League, I would love to join and give you my thoughts on that. But I will say, I will say this. The 15net.com is available, just saying. (laughs) The, the, The idea that, you know, John Henry and Fenway Sports Group can have the Red Sox, have Liverpool, have the Globe, and have this kind of cross the pond media empire where all things are forgiven and all things are rationalized and all things are, you know, kind of corruptly driven through the media. I love the Patriots. I love Bob Kraft's ownership writ large, even though there are warts on it from time to time. And of course, I love what Bill Belichick has done with this franchise. I hate the way the media treats this team. I would love it if Bill Belichick and and Bob Kraft owned the Herald, right? 
and could drive a, a legitimate narrative ar around what's happened over the last 20 years. Isn't that so, what we're doing as like a surrogate? Like we're doing this as a surrogate because we're so bleeping outraged. I can't believe I'm going to edit myself. We're doing this because we're just like, what do we call them? Bad faith merchants, right? <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad. Well, we're, we're bringing toxic positivity, Mike. And that's right, what we've right. been talking about. Right. Toxic pos positivity, right? But, you know, I will say this about craft, right? None of us maybe can identify what it's like to be that rich and that insecure and that powerful. It's such a weird combination. Like if you're, I always, I always thought like if I were that rich, I would not be insecure. And Bob Kraft is gotta be among the most insecure people like that we see. And the way he kind of was hat in hand, hat in hand yeah. to the media. Seeking their so approval. Sorry. I am so sorry that our drafts haven't been good because I made the mistake of renting a car and sports radio happened to be on when I turned the ignition on, right? Because that's the only time anybody listens to sports radio. That's me in the rent rental when I fly back to Logan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know. And here's, here's what drives me nuts. And we'll, and we're going to kick it to you here, Shaq, but here's what drives me nuts is we can already see the narrative for the 2021 season, yep. right? Kraft made those comments The the Patriots went out, God bless him. He went out and, and, and with, you know, Bill's leadership and Kraft's approval, they had a master stroke of free agency where they have upgraded that roster all over the place. That is a much better team in 2021 than it was in 2020, right? And they had to spend money to do it, okay? Now, here's what happens. This season is all going to be measured on the amount of money they spent versus the wins, right? So, so what constitutes success? If they win the division, was that successful? But no, it's maybe a shitty division. No, it's a, right, it's, right. It's, it's, it's a division, right? But if they don't win the division, was it an abject failure? If they only get a wild card, was it an abject failure? If they go, what is it, 12 and five now in a 17 game season, but the Bills win 13 games, was it, was all that spending a failure, right? And, and, you know, what Bob Kraft said, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like the media has got this like yep. ridiculous narrative served up to him because of Kraft's ridiculous comments. And, you know, whatever. Shaq, take me home here. Yeah, and you know what's really crazy about his comments is that my mother used to have a, have, used to have a saying that says, it's kitchen table talk. That's stuff that you keep to yourself. Absolutely, keep to, absolutely. That, keep it to, you know, if, if you really have that much of an issue with you and the guy you hired and his decision-making, well, that's something that you need to handle you know, with in closed doors, behind closed doors, don't bring it to the media where you know, you know, they do not have your best interests. I mean, the flake gate, hello. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, I, I can't excuse his old age as much as, as much as I want to, because it just seems as though he just ran off at the jibobs and just started running his mouth because I follow Mike Reese, which all of you should. And all of his comments were just if you're not, back if you're and not forth, listening to this podcast and you're not following Mike Reese, please unsubscribe right now. I'm sorry, Sean. Right. Go ahead. You, you need you need an enema if you're not doing that. But <laughs> if you're especially if you're following Big Jim Murray and asking him what ketchup to put on your hamburger, yeah, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But anyway, it it makes no sense to me. I I again, like John said, I love Bob Kraft. He will forever be. And he will be in, itched into Patriot lore for taking this team yep. from, from the bottom to the top. 
to the they started from the bottom now they're here but now they just have the media just has so much more red meat and it's just it just sucks man just keep it to yourself be quiet and stay humble you know what the thing is at the end of the day like when the final chapter is written and when he's when all of us pass this mortal coil and you know towards the end of the century it's gonna be like he bob Kraft hired two fall he inherited a hall of fame coach nfl hall of fame coach he hired pete carroll who's going into the the pro football hall of fame he's probably going into the college football hall of fame he hired bill belichick who's the greatest coach of all time so in the in the moment i mean we're frustrated and you know i think it's counterproductive imagine doing that in your own workplace you know John and I always talk about what would Belichick do in the workplace. And I think that even Belichick's got to be rolling his eyes. And Shaq, you brought up, and we'll discuss this a little bit later, the Wickersham emphasis on sham report that Belichick Uh. wanted to leave after the 2017 season. But I want to go back to Scartelli here. Wrap it up here. You know, the Bob Kraft's verbal diarrhea vis-a-vis Belichick's press conference or media availability is probably a better way to put it after that where i mean juxtapose those two scarzi bob should take uh you know some advice from bill and not give them a damn thing and the the ridiculousness with the whole why isn't bill talking to us why isn't bill talking to us why isn't bill talking to us bill talked to them you didn't tell us anything Nothing has changed exactly. over 20 years. What's the definition? I say this all the time. What's the definition of insanity? Repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that is, I mean, when you're looking, imagine you're Bill Belichick at the, at the podium in non-COVID times. And you're looking out at Ben Volan, Greg Bedard, Gary Tangway, these, this, this cavalcade of idiots. John, imagine yourself... Uh, don't imagine yourself in that situation, but imagine yourself in the abstract. Go ahead. You know, I like just following up on Scarcy's point there. It was Ben Volan, I think, that was lamenting that Belichick hadn't made himself available, right? For and then, four course, months. Made, for months, right? You know, it's been it's been so long. You know, it's been so long since Bill has made himself available, and Volan was making a big deal about that. And then, of course, he makes himself available, and they complain about the length of which he made himself available. But, right, but right. Andrew Andrew Callahan came out with that quote saying, "What a nothing burger!" Oh my God, burger, right? Andrew Callahan deserves his own segment when we do this next week. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Jesus, no. pole vaulting Christ. <laughs> but but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When Volan gets the opportunity to talk to Goodell, what's he ask him about? Hugs. He asked them about whether or not they're going to be hugging each other on the stage. Oh, I mean, don't forget on. Schefter. Schefter <laughs> breathlessly reported that Roger Goodell will be hugging the draftees. But, but, that, but that was Ben's question. That was Ben Volan's question. I mean, come on. You're, you're the, you're, okay, there used to be a thing. There used to be a thing called the Boston Globe, right? And it was a big deal. It was a big newspaper. Once right? upon a time, it, yes. Once upon a time. You have to go, you have to be old like us to know that there used to be a thing called the Boston Globe and it actually costs money to subscribe to it. Nowadays, I think it's like free with a fill up at the, at the local Sitco, Right. But the, the, the globe 50 cents, get a Cumbies coffee and a globe. 
<laughs> you know, it used to be a big deal, right? And now you've got the lead NFL writer for the Boston Globe gets immediate availability with the commissioner of the league, and he asks him about hugging, right? Like, that's the world we live in, right? That's the world. So, so that same guy who's complaining about Bill Belichick not making himself available, then when he makes himself available, it's not long enough. Then he gets an opportunity to talk to Roger Goodell, and he asks him about hugs. Like, hey, Ben, we're keeping track here. You're not good at this. He's not good at it. So I think we can, we can put a bow on that. Um, we've made our point. I want to pivot next to something positive. Julian Edelman announced his retirement. And for anyone who's paying attention, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, you're paying attention. Let's, before we go into the media, immediate, immediately trying to discredit the accomplishments of Julian Edelman, despite playing with a system quarterback for the entirety of his career, let's appreciate Julian Edelman. Scartsy, the, the big plays are too numerous to count. The moments, everything, the whole Julian Edelman experience from that, the 09 preseason where he was a rookie and the team was the subject of an NFL films documentary. I mean, it's, that's kismet, right? So just uh, talk about Edelman for a minute. It's so good. The, the takeaway is, uh, you know, way to compete. You know, said in jest to uh, Welker, but Welker might have been like a fifty percent of Wally Pip, right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. And the whole uh, there was someone, uh, one of the fellows on uh, Twitter, who you know does the video highlights of uh, of the Patriots, had some video from that you know terrible playoff game against uh against baltimore back in 2010 the 2010 season or whichever oh nine oh nine season january 10 season, yeah. 2000 january 10 where everything went wrong yep but edelman was out there hustling he's you know it it's you know the game is you know the game's out of hand they're they're not they're not continuing on in the playoffs but edelman is still out there hustling it was one play where he's you know he grinds his way six seven yards to get to get the first down it's called back and then he does it again yeah, yeah. after you know when they they just you know run the play again does it again and this was you know way back way back in 2009 season he was he was special he was special it was a it was a privilege to have him on the team you know it was a privilege to, to root for him from this address Shaq, uh talk talk about jewels well I think his most impressive career feat may have been getting Cam Newton the nearly 400 passing yards versus Seattle. <laughs> so, but <laughs> evidently he can dig him out of the dirt like he's yeah. uh, he's uh, Ozzy Smith in his prime. I mean, talk about a miracle worker. I mean, geez. But no, seriously, <laughs> Edelman. He's just he is the perfect. If you molded a patriot i know this is going to sound cliche but if you mold a patriot that's the guy you want to mold julian edelman he's like i i i'm actually happy that it turned out the way it turned out the way he uh was released by the patriots and then he was announced he announced his retirement pretty much a couple of hours afterward right and it was orchestrated I'm, for sure yeah definitely orchestrated and i'm glad that it happened that way because if it didn't <laughs> I I would I would bet you my entire life salary, which is nothing, 
but I would bet you that that he would have tried to play this season and next season because that's the kind of guy he is. He's just a warrior. He doesn't quit. He whatever situation is within him, he tries his hardest to make it out. And look, he's fourth in franchise receiving yards. He's second in catches. He's ninth in touchdowns for a converted quarterback. That's pretty damn good. And when you're playing your first couple of seasons behind Wes Welker, who yeah. was a, was pretty good at, at his own right, and he pretty much had to fight to keep his his place in that line, especially when Amendola came around later right. on. Right. And, you know, he was kind of seen as the quote-unquote replacement. So he, he's just awesome. Obviously, everybody talks about the Super Bowl catch, but really the quintessential Julian Edelman play for me is the first quarter of 2018 and then the divisional round for the AFC, in the AFC. I think it was about third and 13, and he converts. And that pretty much set the whole tone for the playoff run, and obviously that capped off with the Super Bowl MVP for him in the Super Bowl, the most boring Super Bowl that everybody thought was boring. But <laughs> if you watch that game, he, he dominated in a game yep. when both defenses were – we're just coming at each other. So I all I say all that to say Edelman, he's he's regardless of what anybody had to say after he retired, you know, two seconds after he retired, for oh, everything that he oh, did God. playing quarterback, playing well, playing wide receiver, playing cornerback, playing whatever he could, he he's gonna go around as one of the greatest patriots, maybe the greatest. If not, that's that's another debate, but for me, as a as the younger guy, I, I I just think that he's one of my favorites, and I, I will always have respect for him forever. He does. Well, let's not forget that he played defensive back, yeah, and he yeah. was actually pretty good at defensive back. Absolutely, he played special teams, and he was pretty good at special teams. He yep. might be, um, with all due respect to Mike Haynes and Irving Fryer, he might be the best punt returner, and Troy Brown, of course, yep. the best punt returner in the history of the franchise. He excelled, and I'm sorry, Greg Bedard, he excelled in all phases of the game. And he was the ultimate competitor. Um, the only, and I'm speaking for myself here, uh, Troy Brown is my favorite non, uh, of, the, of the dynasty era, quote unquote, the dynasty era. Troy Brown and Edelman, throw a blanket over them. I think those guys are two peas in a pod. John, thoughts on Edelman? I mean, well, I, he's your guy, right? Well, you were doing I, curls at the gym thinking that you want to have Edelman arms. <laughs> you know, I love Edelman. And, but, you know, Shaq said it so well. I mean, the only thing I'd say is, you know, Edelman represents to me, and this is what drives me nuts online. You know, these guys are jerking off into their stat socks over Edelman and whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, right? And, Hold on. Does PFF uh, sell socks? <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't care about that, right? Like, I don't, I don't care because we'll, maybe we'll talk about Hall of Fames later on because I got some thoughts yes, on that. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But, but, you know, the Julian Edelman, and you mentioned Troy Brown, and the other guy I'd throw in is Matt Slater. You know, when, when we've cheered for the Patriots over the last 20 years, it's winning football. It is winning complimentary football. Complimentary is, is the word, yes. Complimentary football. It is Bill Belichick drafting guys who are versatile, right? And you just get the feeling – that guys like Troy Brown, Matt Slater, Julian Edelman, and, and a bunch of other guys, right? But guys like that, I mean, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about late round picks. 
I'm talking about guys who were never given anything, right? You know, the Patriots wouldn't have missed a beat if Edelman was cut in training camp, if Troy Brown was cut in training camp, if Matt Slater was cut in training camp. Those guys were all late round picks. They had to work for everything they got and they have turned themselves into, you know, epic, epic players. And, you know, these, I would say, you know, and I'm going to say this in a pejorative fashion, these kids on Twitter, right. Who are, who are, maybe they lost money on daily fantasy over and over again because of Julian Edelman, because they, they, you know, spent money on him the day he didn't put up numbers guaranteed that day. He still made winning football plays because he's a winning football player. And Troy Brown is a winning football player. And I'm just not getting caught up in the stat stuff. I'm getting caught up in what I got to enjoy, not watch, but enjoy. I enjoyed that dude's career. I enjoyed what he left on the field, just like I felt about the guys from, let's say, the first 10 years of the dynasty, right? It has been a blessing to watch Julian Edelman emerge from a seventh-round flyer into an epic winning football player. Yeah. So let me just, off the top of my head, Troy Brown, David yep. Patton, David Givens, Dion Branch, Rache Caldwell, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell. I mean, tell me that Bill Belichick with a straight face can't identify talent at the wideouts. And I'm probably missing a bunch of players there. Scartelli, um, last thoughts on uh, Jules, his whole, how he's perceived. Uh, go ahead. Perception, perception elsewhere is one thing, but um, the folks who uh, the folks who watched him the most and you know know him the best, uh, I think uh, appreciate him more because of that. Agreed, and I, you're so succinct. That's how, why I always throw it to you, just kind of wrap it up. Um, I don't want to get off the subject of Edelman yet, but what I w- do want to point out was that within. 90 seconds of Edelman announcing his retirement on social media. There was a, I don't want to say it was a campaign, but there was every national media. And I'm talking the Mike Teniers, the Bill Barnwells, the Mike Florios, et cetera, et cetera. The rush to discredit him. It wasn't about Edelman. It was about Belichick and what's happened there, Shaq. What do you think? It seemed like it was kind of like a bat signal. As soon as he retired, absolutely, like, oh, absolutely, all, all all media, let's go assemble. Bass, Bass Edelman, assemble, Avengers assemble. But really, I think it came down to Edelman being a part of so many big games and so many big moments and destroying so many narratives. Yes, and it was all over people's timelines and. Really, it was all Patriots fans just reliving those games and reliving those moments. And I guess the people in the media they, and, and some fans, they guess, I guess they couldn't really handle that because really yeah. it's a testament to jealousy and envy. And I think that that's really all it came down to. It's not, because, again, it's, like you said, um, Mike, it's not about Edelman, really. It's about the Patriots and their sustained success and Correct. how they were able to not only find not not have a megatron type of wide receiver but they were able to have a guy like julian edelman who for all intents and purposes yeah. if he was on 
if he was on the Lions, he probably would, you know, he probably would still be playing, but he would have a lot less legs to him because he wouldn't be making as much plays as Megatron. So, yeah. So I agree. So, yeah. like in the season of the draft, like they're not they're not monster throttling the three cone drill or like running a four two. Like Julian Edelman, I'm going to guess Julian Edelman, Troy Brown, David Patton. David Patton was fast, so maybe I'll throw David Patton up. But guys of that ilk weren't destroying the uh, the, the three cone drills and the other things that the measurables at the draft. But you know. They, uh, they Man, weren't gold medals John. at the Underwear Olympics, is what you're saying. Oh, the the un- and that's the exact. I hate. I don't want to get the e on the uh, the Google Play. It was like the fucking Underwear Olympics. For the love of God, it's like Bill Belichick will tell you, and, and most good football coaches will tell you. It's like, okay, you can run a straight line fast. Great. What if? Ty Laws across the line from you. Otis Smith, who would mug anyone who was in front of him. So I think that's that's Julian Edelman, Godspeed. I hope you're a social media star. God bless. He gave us more memories. He was the Super Bowl MVP in 18. And even more impressive, as Shaq noted, he was able to scoop those short hops from Cam Newton. So God bless you. (laughs) So Jules, um, Godspeed. Um, I want to move next, uh, kind of piggybacking off of Edelman. Um, The media was really, really, really happy to discredit Edelman, despite ignoring them discrediting Brady and his Patriots tenure by, uh, you know, system quarterback he was you know his stats weren't good look at lynn swan in different eras i get it but john you had a really strong thoughts on this um let's ignore mike florio's slander of edelman so on and so forth john made a point that what is the pro football hall of fame if they're going to largely ignore two decades of patriots dominance john go ahead yeah i mean it's I'm, I'm kind of feeling cheeky on this one, right? So if Canton is the pro football hall of fame and, and God bless them, they, you know, it's, it's, you know, great, great visit. It's not but, the Mara and Rooney football hall of fame, but it probably is just yeah. for the record. And, and so, you know, what if, what if you reimagine it as the 20th century football hall of fame and you look at the last 20 years as being the Patriot era and, and you look at guys that the way they played complimentary football and the way, you know, guys like the Troy Browns and, the you know, Matthew Slater's and the uh, Pat Chung's and the Edelman's and all these guys that have come through and contributed to these great teams and the sustained excellence. And the Patriots have dominated the last 20 years of football. And, you know, those guys aren't going to get into the Hall of Fame, right? They're, they'll get a ticket like you and I. They'll get, you know, they'll get a ticket like you and I, but you know, the, maybe the real hall of fame is in Foxborough. Maybe, maybe that's the pro football hall of fame for the 21st century. Absolutely. And I'm not, not going to sweat. Point. I'm not going to sweat the, the, the stat humpers and the Florios and the people with media agendas and, you know, the, the weirdos who write for the athletic who are probably about 23 years old, like the kid in Minnesota who said something goofy about Earth like 
Yeah. I, I, <laughs> God bless you, Shaq, for knowing his name. I don't even want to name his name. I don't know his name. I don't care to know his name. I'm picturing him as some kid who, you know, is probably still like halfway through high school, right into the athletic and, you know, is probably that's their target audience. That's where you want to pay. You're right for the Herald. You make 1250 an hour. So, so, you know, you know who I'm talking about though, Shaq, right. You know, these kids are talking about things like I could write the history of football and never mention, you know, Julian Edelman's name. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you could probably write the history of football and not mention Joe Thomas's name. And Joe Thomas might've been the best offensive lineman of the, of this century. Right. Joe Thomas had a wonderful career. The Patriots for the Browns. traded the pick to the Niners and got him caller. They can't draft. <laughs> and, and, you know, he toiled away in obscurity for the Cleveland Browns, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, as he deservedly should. And you could write the, the history of pro football and never mention his name. So I don't even know what these people are talking about. Right. All I know is what I've seen over the last 20 years. I have seen the best dynasty in the history of organized athletics. Right. And and guys who weren't about stats, who weren't about individual greatness, who are just about winning. And if there's no room in the Canton Hall of Fame for those guys, that's cool. The Patriots Hall of Fame is going to be the place to visit. Right. If you care about the history of football from 20, you know, 2001 until about 2020. And if the Patriots build it out like that and talk about it like that. Well, that would be out of character right. because any organization that would talk about it like that would have bought the Boston Herald. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm actually re- very hopeful that we'll have the curator of the Patriots Hall of Fame. His name is Brian Mori. He's on Twitter. And I'm lobbying him to come on the podcast because I think there's, listen, we could go down, we can play the hits, right? Let's, let's, unlike WEI, we can, you know, we can actually get people to listen to us by playing the hits. Um, Shaq, your thoughts on John, John's comments. I think John is absolutely spot on when he says the Patriots hall of fame should be the hall of fame of note, because the hall of fame should be held up as the shining example of the art of playing football. Fuck yes. It, it should recognize those, those of less than an elite skill set, whatever that means, whatever elite skill set is, or whatever determination it turns out to be. What's your three-cone caller? What's your three-cone? Right. <laughs> it's an honor those people who overachieve and over the course of their careers while also contributing to outstanding team play. That's what Edelman is. And if you're not honoring a guy like that, who, you know, and, you know, America, we, we love an underdog story, but not if the underdog story involves the Patriots. But, okay. <laughs> but, but if you want to tell the, want to tell the story of football, what is the story of football without a, a catch that well, it was an unbelievable, you know, it, it was pretty much a jungle catch in the Super Bowl? Because if you were going to put, if you were going to put the David Tyree catch in oh. that story, then you need to put that catch. I'm, de- I'm deleting go. this from the podcast, Shaq. There you go. So it's like the Stalin thing, right? The, the photo <laughs> editor with Stalin by the river. That's exactly yep. what's going to happen with Edelman in Super Bowl 51. <laughs> Scartsy, um, put the period in the end of the sentence here on the Edelman discussion before we move to our next point. Because I, I want I want Shaq's input in something we've beat ad nauseum, but like put the period in the end of the sentence for Jules. Okay, I'm going to, you know, monologue for a bit here. But going back, we said that uh, the national media all got, uh, you know, very stern and sad and got to 
sit the Patriots honks down and shake their heads sadly and tell them, I'm sorry, Julian just doesn't have the numbers to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which to me means that's great news for Stanley Morgan. Absolutely. going to get in this year because guess what? He has the numbers. Absolutely, uh, he does. I'm looking at this. The Pro Football Reference Hall of Fame monitor has him a uh, notch higher than Heinz Ward, you know, who everyone says has to get in ahead of Julian. Well, he didn't. Stanley uh, Morgan never dove at somebody's knees in an illegal fashion like Heinz Ward. So Heinz Ward can go. I hope Heinz Ward has diarrhea tonight. That's go ahead. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's got he's rated ahead of Boletnikov, ahead of John Stallworth, ahead of Lynn Swan. But everyone knows that the guys. What are those? What are those players have in common? Raiders, Steelers. 19.2 19.2 yards per reception average, which is 10th best in NFL history. So it's going to be great when he gets in, but no, they're going to go, oh, uh, no, no, he just, you know, uh, didn't, didn't have it. And the same thing is they're going to, you know, change the, they're going to move the goalposts again when it comes to Slater because Slater has a bunch of pro bowls and they're like, oh no, he was just a special. Correct. Because there can't be any Patriots laundry in their blessed hall of fame in the sainted franchise hall of fame it really is the mars and the Roonies kind of run that league that league the players in that league the way they do things down there <sighs> park avenue god park avenue i can't remember the address but it's all jets fans so let's just that's an empirical truth i actually want to shacks on his first appearance here so I'm curious, you're, Shaq, you've, you're a loyal listener. I'm glad to have you here. I want you, the floor is yours. How do you feel about Cam Newton? Okay. Um, big sigh gonna, was great. The big gonna, sigh was fantastic. This is going to be controversial, but I am, I'm iffy on him. I'll just say that. I did not like his performance towards the end of the season, but I am willing to put an olive branch out there and say that a lot of that had to do with the circumstances that the Patriots had to go through. By the way, John is giving you double thumbs up on the Zoom that we're on. So (laughs) John's all in on Cam. Yeah. And what, what I'm really all in on is giving him another shot to at least try to put some points on the board because the last year's offense I've as we know it was full of full of just it was ground and pound until it wasn't and then it was try to throw the football up until it wasn't so I think with the players the players that they've added this year as far as Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry and the running backs and you know all these wide receivers they've added Kendrick Bourne uh I I think that there there are there is plenty of opportunity for Cam to at least try to establish some type of a rhythm, and hopefully with a full off season, a full training camp, and more exposure to the playbook, I think that might bode well for him. Because again, yeah. he is a former MVP, and guys like that don't go from hot to not and stay like that, especially when you have a guy like Cam who, if, if nothing else, he has the support of every single one of his teammates. 
And I think that counts for something. It does. It does. And I, and I, because when he was re-signed, there was not like there you, you could not find a dissension on Twitter from any player that said, oh, I don't like this or this isn't good. Or so, the coaching staff. Or the coaching staff. So you can't discount what he means to this team. And I think if, and I think maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but if they do happen to add another quarterback into the room, I think that might be a good thing. So that Cam can expound on his leadership capabilities and place that onto the next guy, whoever that might be. So I'm giving him another chance, but it's his last chance. I'll say that. No, no. I think that that's extremely fair. Um, Scarzi, you and I have both been, uh, I'll throw it to John after you, Scarzi, but you and I have both been like, we're willing to throw pot shots at Newton like he's Bledsoe. And you and I are both Drew detractors. So go ahead, Scarzi. The floor is yours on Cam 2.0. Well, I think we're learning more about... I'm going to bounce pass it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> there we go. Bounce passes. I'm surprised that the uh, competition committee didn't make them legal. <laughs> that would have been nice. Must be nice. But anyways... Must be nice for sure. But anyways, Shout out to our friend in Franklin. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're, we're finding out more about uh, the effects of uh, COVID-19 on yeah, people. Yeah, that's true. Eddie Rodriguez there had a dead arm from uh maybe that was caused by covid and maybe Shaq had a dead arm maybe Shaq I'm sorry you're Shaq I'm talking about uh, <laughs> I do but for a different reason <laughs> oh exactly we, but anyway Shaq is uh, jacked it's like Eddie threw a great game today it's like he beat the Mariners here if the Mariners beat the Red Sox three out of four my zoom call tomorrow morning at work would have been hell so <laughs> thank you Eddie thank you Eddie Rodriguez John no, um, I'm, I'm I'm so I'm I'm you know I'm inching, you know, toward, you know, acceptance in this whole is this, uh, Cam Newton thing again. I think this is Cartelli. This, I think I, this, this is, is... This is this is the... Uh, we're talking ourselves into Cam. We're rolling that... Uh, we're rolling that boulder up the hill like the uh, like that uh, Greek myth there. Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Yeah. Uh, John, wrap it up here on Cam. We've talked about Cam far too much on this. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, Shaq, you're an intelligent intelligent young man i can see this uh, you and i are seeing things very much oh god Shaq! maybe <laughs> swallow some bleach if you're thinking in lockstep with john jesus pole vaulting christ <laughs> so you know I, i'm a big believer i can't remember if i've ever used this line on the podcast but culture eats strategy for breakfast right and what Shaq is talking about the culture of this team i i am a huge believer in bill belichick knows how to set a winning culture and he feel if he feels like Cam Newton is part of a winning culture, then I'm good with that, right? That's a huge vouch in my opinion. So I'm not a big believer in this, you know, the, the Cam Newton versus Tom Brady recruitment theory, oh, right? God. You know, did right. So I don't want to I don't want to go down that path. I think that's kind of garbage. But I do think there's something in that locker room. Winning cultures is Cam Newton kind of an energy maker or an energy taker. And it looks to me, yep. based on everything that we're seeing, yep. he's an energy maker, right? We talked about and, the podcast he was on. It was it was really, really yes. illuminating. Yeah, with those guys, Brandon Marshall and and you know, those guys, they talked about that in the in the love and the respect that people have for Cam. And even last season, right? You know, we were all frustrated with with some of the inaccuracy issues and and all that, but 
But I think I said on my very first, you know, appearance on this, you know, who's tougher, Cam Newton or Steve Grogan, right? Like, and, and Steve Grogan is the- The fact know, the, that we the, had to think- Right. 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 Just speaks volumes. So, so, so I love Cam's toughness. And I, and I, and I think I love what he brings to the locker room, you know, and I, and I, and, you know, do we're that. not there, you know, we're speculating by, right, vicariously, right. vicariously through what I'm seeing, you know, and what I believe in Bill Belichick's ability to kind of set that culture. So, you know, I am coming around. I, I'm like Fox Mulder in the X-Files. I want to believe, right. I want <laughs> to believe in Cam here. Right. And, and, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, if Bill Belichick feels like Cam Newton gives them the best chance to win in 2021 with this revamped offense, at least the start, at least the start, then, then that's good enough for me. And we'll see what happens. All right. So I want to skip over. We have our show list. I want to skip over a couple of points. Um, Shaq brought up something that we could talk about for probably an hour about the latest Wickersham fiction about Belichick wanted out. And we can talk about that. Then we will hopefully we'll, all get together um surrounding the draft we're not dave if you're listening the live stream let's let's revisit that but scarzi uh maybe you and i can talk about that but um i thought Shaq brought up a good point in you know uh, when we were talking about getting together you guys all remember the patrick mahomes in incompletion in the super bowl we threw it sidearm like he was Dan Quisenberry or Mike, Mark Eichhorn from the Blue Jays back in the day. And like Twitter went like, it was basically, they went full NBA, this league. And I love the NBA, but Shaq, I thought you brought up a good point. Style over substance. He, Mahomes threw this ball three quarters arm. And again, uh, situational football. He had to get rid of it. But the way social media went apeshit about this incompletion thrown into two defenders that he was able to throw the ball 45 yards. Okay, it was incomplete. They lost 31 to nine. You know, go ahead. Like, I, I really am, I want to hear what you think about this because I thought it was a good point. Style over substance. And really, this all stems from a post that Tom Brady made about kansas city royals players wearing his jersey and really it, it all stemmed from that so this tweet came around with a guy i don't know his twitter handle but basically the gist of his tweet was a picture of the, the mahomes incompletion by the way that was an incompletion perpendicular and, to the ground right right and the guy is saying tom can you do this yeah, Tom, yeah, you can some, throw an incompletion, yes. I, I'm certain he's thrown a lot of incompletions in his career. <laughs> if, 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 you know, if I'm, not, if I'm not looking at his stats offhand. But what I really meant to say when I said style over substance is I think uh, the fans, football fans, have become, I don't know where it started, but I, I guess I'm going to say my theory. But I believe that a lot of this stems from fantasy football and highlights and a lot of this is, wow, a wow play instead of a play that can make a difference and a play that is looked upon to make the difference in the game. And again, this goes back to the Edelman argument. Edelman, except for the Super Bowl play, and, and, and a few other plays that we obviously as Patriot fans know and can recite offhand, like our ABCs, the 
NFL media and NFL fandom as a whole, they can't because Edelman doesn't to them have a lot of plays that are wow or eye-opening. And I think a lot of that has to do with fantasy football and how wrapped up we are in having to, you know, it has to be a wow or you're not good. Or, you know, Mahomes, he, he makes an, he makes, he throws the football out of Arrowhead field, Arrowhead stadium. Yeah. An incompletion out of Arrowhead stadium. So to your (laughs) point, if that, if the double pass, when uh, Brady threw it to Edelman and he threw the double pass to Amendola, if that happens in a regular season game and like you have Edelman in your football team, Oh, that's 12 fantasy points for the touchdown plus yardage. Oh my God. That won me 35 bucks to win the week in fantasy football. I think that's completely valid. Absolutely. My, my DraftKings, my DraftKings player didn't do very well. So it's all right on that, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just think it, and you know what? And, and another thing about the, you know, these plays and all this, I think a lot of this has to do with a show that I am, ugh, I hate this show with the, every fiber of my being. You're clenching your fist. I like this. <laughs> with every fiber of my being. Good morning, football. It is the worst program. Oh, don't get me started on Peter Schrager and oh Kyle, whatever his name is. Uh, I love, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kay Adams. She's, Kay Adams. I'd push you down the stairs yeah, to have a she's, conversation She's a looker, her, but, but she's, she's the only there. reason to tune into that program. Other than that, it's just a hot mess of hot takes galore. Who's better, this or this? What play is better, this or this? It, it's just, it's not substantive at all. But the point is, NFL coaches watch this show. And Sean McVay me, certainly to does. Me, to me, that says a lot about this this league, and it says a lot about what the NFL, how how incompetent the NFL as a whole is. And, and and again, it says to me that obviously the Patriots don't watch this kind of stuff because with all the success that they've had, you know, they're not watching that crap. Scartelli, Scartelli, what time does your alarm go off to watch Good Morning Football? Oh, is uh, is that on Sports Channel? It, yeah, I think it's right <laughs> after Mike Gorman gets off the does the morning scores. Uh, John, uh, last points on this. Uh, yeah, there, a couple, Irons. a couple, a couple of quick drive-bys here to, to follow up on Shaq. First of all, it's it's Pete Schrags and Kyle Thanks Granddad. I think is his oh last god, name. that's right. Uh, thanks, Bill Granddad. dad, the, the old... former the former reality show contestant. By the way. Yes, yes, it's it's Thanks Granddad. What is that? Reality name. Sex Island? Is that the name yeah. of the show? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I just know his grandfather was a, a big deal with the Cowboys before also, we were born. Uh, but also, also Kyle Thanks Granddad is a friend of California yes, Bill. Fair enough. Said. The the sidearm the sidearm Mahomes throw is is oh. the the country cousin to Joel Embiid just being in the news for his miraculous miss from full court, right? Which is which is also adjacent to Fernando Tatis hitting two home runs in a game prancing around that they prancing lost. around making an error to John Cena and, um... and they lost right so so these <laughs> these these are your headlines right like I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to ESPN but I click on the website at least once a day to see the headlines because I'm curious you know I'm curious about the headlines and these are your headlines right Joel Embiid's big miss you know Fernando Tatis dancing with two home runs I watched the game you know Fernando Tatis really is one of the best, maybe the best 
the is. best young left fielder in baseball. I'm sorry they have him playing shortstop. He is the best young left fielder in baseball. Uh, can he, you can imagine he has so much clout. You know, the Yankees couldn't move Derek Jeter off a shortstop at the end of his career, even though they know they should have. The Padres already can't move Tatis off a shortstop, right? How much clout does that young man have, right? Good for him. Can he move two steps to his him. left? No, he, he can make the spectacular play, Mike, but he can't make the routine play, right? It's only a matter of time before he's playing something else. The, the, you know, so, so these are your superstars, right? You know, Mahomes with his sidearm incompletion, Embiid missing full court, Tatis can't make routine plays at short. These are the guys leading your headlines. These are your social media generation superstars, right? And, and, and I want to juxtapose that. Last thing I'll say, I'll juxtapose that with the best player in baseball, Mookie Betts. How many of us had the joy of watching Mookie Betts score from third on a routine yep. ground out with the infield in, right? That's Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts does that. Mookie Betts is like the Tom Brady of baseball. He does all those things that win baseball games that don't get him top of the fold on ESPN.com. Right? Give, me, give, me, give me Mookie Betts any day of the week. I can't put the John Henry smoking a cigar with his hands over his head on a podcast, but I'm going to put it on the podcast. But also, did you see what Kyrie Irving wore into Barclays Center tonight? So yeah. I think... I think that's. I think we just perfectly epitomize uh, what's going on with with media. So let's ignore mock draft season because we all we all want to take a steaming piss on mock drafts. What I want to do is, and also Roger Goodell again, he's going to hug the draftees. Um, I want to get into some listener emails. Walter from Norwood, he sent several emails with good talking points, and since we haven't recorded in a while, I don't think they're really. Uh, they're not pertinent, but veteran entitled town emailer Vinny Jace sent a couple of good questions regarding different sports. And I thought the first one was good because Scartelli and John and I are old enough to have lived this. And I think Shaq, um, I don't want to speak for Shaq. So uh, here's Vinny's email number one. Did any prominent media people in New England take either Brady or Bledsoe's side during the 2001 season? And he asked about uh, Volan O'Shaughnessy. I want to throw Volan O'Shaughnessy out. I don't think there's ever been a hotter topic, and I use that in quotation fingers, than Brady against Bledsoe. And I'm going to go first to John, because John, and this is going to impugn his credibility forever on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. John was a Bledsoe guy, and we oh. would, you were living in the Northwest, and I was still living in New England, and we would scream at each other on the phone. Yeah. So defend your Drew Bledsoe in 01 take. All right. Well, you know, I think we said on a past podcast, I don't get these guys that don't own their bad takes, right? Bad takes. If you have anything to say and you've had anything to say for any duration of time, you've had bad takes. Like and my AC, among... like me being happy the Celtics took AC Earl. Oh, no, Mike, we'll do an entire podcast on yours. Don't worry about no, it. You want to fuck off. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a few, I'll admit. And, you know, you and I, I can remember this vividly. You and I, I'm in the Northwest, you're back home and, you know, Bledsoe gets hurt. And I always liked Bledsoe. I know you gave up on Bledsoe in the Keevan Henry Steelers playoff game. That was the end. No, it was a regular season was, game. The regular, oh, regular season game you. at Foxborough, which is why they had to play that game at Three Rivers. That's right. That's right. Thank you. And you were out on Bledsoe. You were out on 11. We watched the game um, at Three yeah. Rivers in the divisional round, 7-6. Yep. 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 And I always I, I want to throw a punch at you. 
Yeah, I remember that one too. That was a bad. That was a bad game. Um, so I'm I'm in the Northwest. I'm not getting a lot of Patriots games. Patriots were not playing nationally at the time. I did not have the ticket. I don't even think the ticket existed back then. And you know, I'm like, when is Bledsoe getting his job back? And you're telling me Brady. There's something about Brady. Something about Brady. They the offense clicks better with Brady. And I wasn't believing it. You were believing it. And, you know, the papers back then, and I know you're, you're the expert on this much more than I am. It was Borges and Mannix who were all. It was, it was, it was especially Borges. And I know, I know you want to talk about this, Mike. So you're always playing point guard, kicking it to us, but let me kick it to you because I think you have the definitive historical memory here on what exactly the was going on with Ron Borges and the Brady Bledsoe era. I don't think it's a it's a secret at this point is that uh, Bledsoe and Borges were tight as thieves and the Bobby Greer Memorial backstairs were in effect in the late 90s and Bledsoe was submarining Pete Carroll's like I don't think Pete Carroll's a let me amend myself I don't think Pete Carroll was who he became when at USC in New England I think the New England experience for Pete Carroll was illuminating because he realized oh my God, I don't have final say. I'm going to get undermined by my players. And when he went to USC, and maybe the the facts will prove me wrong, I believe that he was both AD and head coach. And I think that's what Bledsoe, uh, excuse me, Belichick learned during the whole transition with the Jets that he couldn't serve Parcells and Leon Hess had died. It's like, you have to be in control. Control the narrative. Uh, control everything else but the Brady Bledsoe thing it was completely media driven if you trusted your eyes and I think Scartelli will agree with me here and I'll throw it to Scartelli here next I think if you trusted your eyes he wasn't sloppy with the football he just took what was given to him like the 2001 Tom Brady in no way resembled what the Tom Brady of 2016 or even 2000 uh, three when he won the Super Bowl MVP against Carolina it was a completely different player, but they won the the the. Uh, it's it's actually really funny if you think about the first and the last Super Bowl titles of the Brady area in New England, pretty similar. They were Antoine Smith, Sony Michelle, take care of the football, really good defenses, veterans. It was, you know, am I wrong, Scartelli? They were like bookends. Absolutely. And, uh, aside from, I believe he had a uh, t- that uh, Brady had a terrible game against maybe Miami, three interceptions, something along those lines. But you know, Patriot, that, pl- Patriots never play badly in Miami or Denver. That never happens. Never happens. Never happens. You know, but like you, the, the eye test was uh, true in this case, where he was, you know, efficient and careful. He was, you know, a game manager. He wasn't, you know, trying to throw the ball through a, you know, through a brick wall like some, uh, like some cerebral statues we could, you know. Some make. wine enthusiasts in the Yakima Valley in the Northwest. Shaq, what, what are your memories? I, I'm curious. You're a bit younger than both John and Scartsy than I. What are your memories of Bledsoe? I, I remember that he was real tall and tall. The, the way he had a strong way, arm. Yeah, the way, yeah, the way he looked in well on television was like very imposing and very like physically imposing and so he just and he would you know definitely definitely accurate when he wanted to be but definitely less accurate when he didn't so um 
I, I, I just thought that I remember that time when it was Brady Belichick and, and Brady and Bledsoe and Belichick, you know, with the uh, TEAM yeah. speech. And yep. I, I remember that his decision-making Brady's um, I know it, it definitely did definitely had to grow and it did over the, over the next decade because he was still relatively new. And mm-hmm. I remember that it was a lot, those games obviously were a lot on the defense and the, and again, Antoine Smith and all those guys. So uh, Bledsoe, I mean, he, I, I, I don't think I was necessarily a Bledsoe guy. I was just like a, a Patriots guy. And I was like, yeah, Bledsoe's the man right now. And then obviously Mo Lewis comes around and boom. So I, I just, I just went along with to get along and it seems like, seemed like Brady just took, took it. The fact that I don't have a Mo Lewis Jets jersey in my closet is actually a shortcoming of mine, but I'll leave it there. Uh, gentlemen, uh, oh, this uh, podcast, let me, uh, let, me, uh, Go ahead, uh, let me just, you know, scramble around a bit back to, uh, back to Vinny's question. There was one big pro Brady guy back in the day. And that oddly enough was Felger. Up. who Mike Felger. Yeah. You know, Pete Shepard too. Felger was, that's just, that's before he took the, the, the dark side. And, you know, the Owen season, there's so many topics that we could do. Like after the draft, there's going to be a bit of a dead zone. And I think that, you know, when Dan comes back, you know, I think the five of us could have really some good discussions about that. But uh, John, you wanted to, to chime in here. Yeah. The, the only other thing, there was something kicking around Twitter uh, within the last week or so, I think um, Daniel Jeremiah posted. Oh, God, his, that, his, that well, clown. Put, but but he posted his notes from when he was working with the Browns and Belichick was there. And you it mean was after Belich- he was fired from the Browns. Okay. Well, fair enough. But he, it's it's Belichick's own kind of words, right, on what he's looking for in a quarterback. And it was all about decision making. And you know, I know I know the the question we may not get to it was you know what do we know about the Kosar Testaverde situation? In yeah, we'll Cleveland. punt on that. We'll punt on that. And and. You know, but I think it's interesting historically looking back at that moment in time and then Belichick, Belichick's decision making around Bledsoe and Brady and how definitive Belichick was in his notes on decision making from the quarterback position. Right. And I think, you know, when, when you use the term game manager around Brady and, and people always use it kind of derisively, you know, he's just a game manager. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's, 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 that always boggles my mind because the quarterback is probably the hardest position in all of pro sports. And it really is, is built on a foundation of decision-making. You have to be a good decision-maker. And if Belichick moved off of Bledsoe for Brady, he probably did it because he felt like Brady was a better decision-maker. And if Brady was a better decision-maker in 2001, as a, as a first year starter at the Bledsoe right? with eight, nine years uh, as a pro, eight years as a right, pro. Right. You know, and you can see it, it's, it's really not much of a step between people kind of humping arm talent, hashtag arm talent, oh, right? You know, Bledsoe had amazing arm talent, right? And if you're, if you're humping arm talent, you can't really understand why a guy like Brady is starting over a guy like Bledsoe. But if you're Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the history of football, and your number one condition for quarterback is decision-making. 
well, maybe I want my quarterback doing Tom Brady things, right? Maybe right. I want him reading the defense at the line of scrimmage and taking what the defense has given, moving the chains and getting first downs, right? Maybe it's as simple as that. And I don't need my quarterback scrambling backwards, running for 290 something yards in the Super Bowl in reverse. I can't believe right? they charted that seriously. And, 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 and throwing balls horizontally through the hands of, of, Bucks linebackers, right? And getting memes about it, right? Like that's not quarterback play. That's that's amazing athleticism and that's amazing hashtag arm talent, right? But you know, there's a reason why Tom Brady has played in, you know, you know, won seven Super Bowls, right? right. Played in 10 Super Bowls. I mean, you know, that's that sort of decision making, maybe, maybe that is the supreme gift. Maybe that decision making is the supreme gift, much more so than Aaron Rodgers with the most perfect completion in the history of football against the Lions in a regular season game. I don't know if you saw that goofball tweet. Yeah, week around. five, week five right? in yeah. a regular season game. I mean, at- it's like the, the weirdest stuff. I mean, these kids are like, these, it's like, I don't, this is like a failure. These kids are like fixating on the wrong things. They have watched. They have watched the best to ever do it for the last 20 years. And he makes it look easy because he takes the, he makes the right decision. It's, it's, you say it's as simple as that, but if it was as simple as that, other people would do it. It's not that simple. There is something really special there. I think we're overcomplicating it. Um, Just, I want to rent the, the wind the clock back briefly to when Brady blew out his knee against Kansas city at home in 08. They didn't make a panic trade. They didn't give away the, the, the store. Matt Castle, good decisions, athletic. He wasn't throwing, you know, three-quarter arm heaves down the field. And was he the best quarterback the Patriots have had? You know, I mean, is, was he better than Tony Easton, Christ's No, but they went 11-5. and five. That was a good football team, and they missed the playoffs out of circumstances. So I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, I want to throw it Scartelli. Uh, uh, final thoughts before I throw it to Shaq. Let me consult my notes here. Copious notes, it looks like. Copious notes, oh yes. Well, well, I just uh, drafts coming up. And yes, it is. Uh, and I have you ever heard the uh, the the phrase uh, "Flight 93" election? That's how yes. some people. Uh, that's how some people describe the uh, 2016 election, where you know if it uh, if things go badly, then you know America's lost forever. So I'm looking at the draft coming up as a Flight 93 draft. Well, I'm looking forward to our recap then. If they don't do everything right, the Patriots team as we know them is over forever. They'll be banished to you know. <laughs> Fold the franchise like it's the end of the ABA, right? Exactly. Another 20 years of playing in front of uh, empty crowds at the Zares parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll throw it uh, lastly to Shaq. Uh, Shaq, first of all, thank you for coming on. You were a great addition. But final thoughts uh, on your first appearance on Entitled Town. So three, two, one, go. Uh, It went so fast. (laughs) I wish we... I, I wish... I hope the listeners think the same thing. <laughs> I, I had so much fun, man. I I I love listening to the show, but now being on the show, it's a new experience, and I and I love being on it. I hope I can be on a lot because it's it's just we it's it's time that we have 
that there is a place where people go where they're not lied to 50,000 times. And no, and like the there's no, the there's no ombudsman in Boston. It's like, you know, Scartelli aside, you know, John lives on the West Coast. I live in the West Coast. Shaq, you don't live in New England. Scartelli is strategically located as an operative in New England. <laughs> so I think that we have, I think that we have, I mean, maybe the view from 30,000 feet where you can see just how ludicrous and how we're being gaslighted. And like even Chris Gasper's three minutes and 45 seconds on Sunday nights, God, God, God help him. Uh, anyway, uh, I think this is, I think we've done a podcast gentlemen. Uh, any last thoughts, raise your hand. If you have the last thoughts, I think we're good. Uh, the email address is entitled town at gmail.com. Walter. Thank you. Vinny, thank you. That's veteran entitled town email or Vinny Jace. Uh, Scartelli is his sports drunk draw is at the 15net.com. I certainly hope Shaq will start writing again at the 15net.com. He is at Atomic Dog 5150. John is at that John Irons. Uh, if you don't know the rest of it, I really can't help you. Uh, I want to say before I leave first, Never, ever vouch, but more importantly, second, turn off your radio. It's all over. It's all over.